Hello and welcome to the Anomaly Presents podcast, the podcast about genre movies, the genre movies that inspired us to start a genre film festival. That's the Anomaly Film Festival in Rochester, New York. My name is Matt Knotts, and I would like to welcome you to an episode I've been looking forward to for a very long time. It's a killer cast. It's an unbelievable director at the top of his powers, and people stayed home in droves for it, and it's really fucking disappointing. So we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world tonight. We've got our usual cast of podcastronauts. We'll go around. Enter inside, please. Aaron? Hi, everybody. It's Aaron. I'm here. I'm queer, and I'm ready to talk about the just energy and colors of this film. I'm here for it. And a little bit of queerness. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Adam? Hi. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> That's all. Oh, come on. Short and good, sweet, good. fine. That's, that's Adam Lubito. He's here, and he's very excited about it. Yes. Listen, there's a whirlwind of chaos right before I joined, so I'm still coming down from that. <laughs> In Zencaster, she's listed as KP versus the hey, world. KP? It's... <laughs> Sorry, I also, I like had ice cream right before this, and I didn't get to take a nap today, so I... I actually kind of feel like Scott, <laughs> which is something I hope I never say again, because I can't stand him. <laughs> no. Uh, you take that back. Don't say bad things about yourself. <laughs> and joining us for for this trip, I heard before we started the show that the full moon's in Virgo. I don't know what that means, but apparently it's creating some bizarre energy here for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are super excited to have him. Uh Local photographer, movie fan, all around hell of a guy. It's Richard Cologne. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hello, hello, guys. I like long walks on the beach. Listen, I'm real happy to be here. I'm really excited uh, to be talking about one of my favorite, uh, favorite near and dear movies. KP and I have been going back and forth on Twitter about this movie. It doesn't get the love that it deserves. I feel like it's it's the um, redheaded stepchild. Of movies, I would gotta, I gotta say, maybe it's uh, the Ugly Duckling, maybe I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, yeah. I feel like at the, at the end it, it turned into a little Natalie Portman Swan. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. This it, it came metaphor. out. It is. It's a great <laughs> metaphor. So it came out in 2010. Like I said, the the cast of of people behind it are amazing. It's Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Allison Pill, <laughs> Jason Trace. Schwartzman. Yeah, Captain exactly. America, the Atom, <laughs> Captain Marvel—you know, all of them. All of them. It's this is basically proto Avengers, if you want to look at it that way. And Edgar Wright made this movie. It's nonstop. There's a thousand things going on in the frame at any given time, and they're all fucking cool. Like, I, where do we want to start with this? Oh man, I, I would love to start. Can I start? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> oh man. So I, I think I think in essence the the one thing that stands out, and there's been there's like tons of YouTube videos on this already. I don't know if you've ever searched for it, but the, the, a lot of them praise the transitions of this movie. And this movie has crazy ass transitions. The cinematography is off the charts. I mean it, it, the opening scene in itself, you know, when they start playing in the band. And then it pans back to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And it's a long living room now. 
I mean, that transition in itself was just crazy. But there's one also that I noticed after watching. There's a couple that I noticed actually after watching it a couple times that with each transition, they add also a sound cue with that correlates with what they're transitioning to. So, for example, there was this scene where I think Scott was picking up knives from school. And before that, it transitioned. And actually, I think, yeah, before it, it transitioned to the school where the bells went off really quick with the transition. So there's a lot of other times where they're transitioning and they use like sound cues, which is pretty cool. But just that whole movie in itself, like it just had some type of vibrance to it where like there was always something going on in this fast paced, quick going. And if you blinked or if you fell asleep or just went somewhere, you definitely not know what's going on. As my ADD was here, my ADHD, my hyperactive in there, <laughs> like it was never bored. Like I was constantly engaged visually and with the sounds and the typography on here, out of control. Yeah, there, there are so many little details and stuff to get wrapped up. We were watching it last night when Scott goes into to pee yeah. and the pee bar oh, pops yes. up. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if y'all noticed, it's reflected in the mirror. It is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that stuff. Or, you know, when, when Scott and Ramona are having that first conversation on the streetcar, and if you watch yes. the streetlights behind them, mm-hmm. he's got it filtered so they look like hearts. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? And then, you know. that. Yeah. And then later on, when everything's going south, he's back on that streetcar by himself. And all those filters went from hearts to X's. Mm-hmm. It's Scott wild. Is so extra. Wow. I've seen this film how many times? Scott is so extra. Oh, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Scott gets really on my is. nerves. Well, so, what I was saying before this, like before we started, Scott is the epitome of 2000s. Yeah, just, and, and they picked Michael Sarah, and it was like, you know, perfect kind of casting because, right? Because he's got like those kind of, he seems unassuming. He's just got those big brown eyes and but like he has the potential to be like the world's biggest jerk yeah he does he does it's it's the amazing thing about scott is that he really is the worst person in the world the worst worst. he is (laughs) and i i feel like that is one of the reasons that matt my partner matt and i differ on this movie is because matt can't get over that watching this movie he's like i can't stand scott and so he can't stand the movie he's like he's a jerk why well, don't want to watch a movie about him and i feel like at one hand i get that but i don't know it works for me i like his his arc over the course of the movie because i feel like that's what it's all about but i can definitely see scott wearing on people <laughs> over yeah. time yeah. for sure yeah you can see it painted on Kim Pine's face most of the time. It's just, she's been hanging out with that kid since high school. They yeah. dated and she just has no tolerance for any of it. The, like, what? Yeah, and her, her face is reflective of Matt. Yeah. Whenever we yeah. watch this no, movie. I, Kim is probably like it. You know what I mean? She just gets it because when she's just, they're all just so mean to each other. And I sometimes don't think that the movie gets that completely like the graphic novel does. But they are all rude to each other constantly. I don't think any single one of them mm-hmm. likes anyone else in their friend group right. at all. So, <laughs> but, but Kim for me just gets it perfectly when she's just like, "You're the scum of the earth." Oh no, you're the salt of the earth. Like she just doesn't pull any punches. She's just disgusted by him. <laughs> there yeah. does seem to be a lot of pent up resentments in this friend circle. 
Oh yeah. man, for sure. <laughs> I think Aubrey Plaza's character is the worst character. <laughs> Is she no, playing herself? Is she playing say, herself? She, she's kind of playing yeah. the Aubrey Plaza character, yes. yes. And, 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 as always, like, Aubrey Plaza she's as legit herself. playing herself. <laughs> like, yeah, Scott gets on my goddamn last nerve on this in this film, and I'm just, but like, when I first watched it, I was like, I was talking to my sister, I was like, does this get better? Because I don't <laughs> like this guy. And my sister's like, there's an arc. There's an arc? Wait for the arc to, like, to happen, like growth. It's all about the growth. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so I have to wait for the growth. Because waiting for the growth the first time was like, mm, I don't like his voice or his mannerisms or like how he interacts with knives makes me want to like throw him out a bus window. <laughs> but like, you know, That's I get funny. it now. I mean, there, there's a little, like very little. There's a reason everybody hangs out with him, you know, like. There's a little bit of charm there, but uh, <laughs> like, poor, I was going to say he, where don't day. There you go. I got there. Here, here's maybe it's, maybe it's my lived experience that, yeah, I've known a mm-hmm. bunch of bass players that are like that dude. <laughs> um, so that's just how it goes with a lot of like the, those alternative punk rock bass players. That's just those dudes, so you know, charmless and asshole th- like that. <laughs> And multiple oh, girlfriends at the same time, or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's yeah that was that was that what's was, funny about yeah. Scott, I guess, in a way, is that he just he doesn't see himself as a jerk at all. Like I think he honestly believes that he's just a good guy, and he mm-hmm. mentally like right. just kind of forgets the past or looks at the past completely differently than it actually existed. Because, like, one thing that I don't think the movie had time for, or maybe it was just the way it was done, was his and Envy's relationship in the movie, they make it seem like it was completely her who kind of destroyed him, but that's not the case, right? They, like, Envy, I think, says, like, in the graphic novel, like, you don't remember that you were, we were fighting collectively when we broke up. So he just chooses to ignore those parts about himself. Which is just Mega Scott, who, you know, he's like, I can't beat that guy. It's because he's usually running from him <laughs> until he finally realizes, like, I can be a better person if I just face who I was. <laughs> yeah. I and think, I think that's, that's. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was just saying, I think that's what, and not to rush to the end of the film, but I think that's what I enjoyed about the after watching it the first time and having to just get over the fact that I was like, does this get better? Him coming to the fact that. Ramona is always running away, right? To to appears to be always running away to kind of find herself, and and Scott is stuck. He's just stuck in his bad habits, who he is as a person, just cycling through dating people that he just has unhealthy relationships with, and then at the end, it's she's finally finding someone that he he's finding someone he can get unstuck with and they can go so, like go move somewhere together in this healthy way so she's not running away alone she's quote unquote running away with somebody else and they're like moving on together that's kind of what i liked about it because it was an arc for her and an arc for him did that make any sense it did so let okay. me ask you this the, the original ending he was going to end up with knives no, she's seventeen. I don't like that the movie did that. I don't. I don't like that the, the movie fuck? made her to be like his other 
I mean, like, yes, in his mind, she's kind of the other option, right? Because she is the safe. But, like, I think, personally, her arc should be, I don't need you. Like, we went through the heartbreak. But the movie is moving things faster. The movie moves things much at a much faster timeline than you have time for in the book. Because, like, in the book, I think it takes, like, almost everything's happening over the span of a year or so. So she's able to kind of come to grips with like, Mm, oh, he cheated Mm -hmm. on me. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Like I still love him. It was her fault. And then her realizing, no, it was him. And just coming to that conclusion on her own, like this chapter of my life is over. He'll always be important to me and I'm able to move on. And I don't think the movie necessarily, the movie didn't let her do that. It would have had to be much longer. If there, if this had been a Scott Pilgrim cinematic universe where they made all of the books into individual movies. Yeah. But as we learned that that wasn't going to happen unfortunately i mean in the end they both should have just left his ass but i mean like i mean it's so funny that you say that because i was looking i i wouldn't have him corner real quick because there wasn't much in there but literally the top relationship was scott and wallace oh shit (laughs) that's surprising i mean yeah I want more Wallace. I wanted more Wallace. I wish he had like a side, a side mission, or like yeah. maybe they can do like a spinoff movie of Wallace. You know, that would have been pretty cool. So, yeah, I'd be down for that. But that's surprising that there's not fan fiction, more fan fiction for this movie. I would guess, I guess that's a sign of the the, the fact that not many people watched it because I feel like yeah. this movie. I don't know. It strikes me as something that immediately lends itself to fan fiction. Like I can see all the different pairings. Mm-hmm. I'm mad yeah. that there's more fan fiction for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, but Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles is not like fair. 30, 40 years I mean, of, the of media to choose from. Right. Yeah. There's, that's a long <laughs> runway. So I, I guess it, we, we've gotten into the, the interpersonal relationships of Scott Pilgrim. So if you'd never seen this movie to this point, you would think this was like a a Riverdale style teen drama <laughs> where it was just these people in, in these terrible relationships, but it turns out to be kind of a musical slash Kung Fu movie, which is a thing that nobody would have seen coming uh, unless you'd no. read the comics. So okay. let's, let's dig into that a little bit. What do we want to say about, well, let's get into the action. What, what were our, our favorite bits of, of action that we saw or things that we're like, Oh, I've never seen that. I thought Scott was going to get his ass kicked the first time that he was going to get to a fight. Because, again, I didn't have any context for this movie before mm-hmm. I watched it the first time. And I was like, oh, shit, he's going to get his ass. Oh, he could fight? <laughs> All right. Well, it was what cool. Was your reaction? They had, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, no. Go ahead, Richard. No, I was going to say that was pretty cool that I found out after the fact, watching some behind the scenes stuff, is that a lot of the... The action sequences were actually, you know, most of the actors actually did do their parts. But there was a lot of fight choreography that was crazy. Like the, the end battle scene with the sword. That, I mean, that was crazy. They used a lot of practical effects, too, with the fight scenes, which was pretty cool. You can um, totally tell. Definitely tell. Oh, gosh. Like, I'm pretty sure if you looked hard, we could see wires. But it was crazy. <laughs> and KP, you could, since you, see, I didn't, I wanted to read the novel. I did not. You could probably like chime in on this because from what I, my understanding is that Edgar really, some of the starting of those fights in the movies, he tried to mirror what was in the graphic novel, like that first punch in the first fight where he blocked Patel's punch and then he hit him. 
from my understanding, that was like a almost identical representation of what the yeah, graphic so novel was. There are certain right? fights where he mirrored it really well. I would say, like, from the movie, the graphic novel to the movie, he definitely embodied it. He moved things around. I'd say he reinterpreted things for the story and constraints that he had. So, like, mm. Ramona and Envy fight and the whole touching behind the knee thing, that's how <laughs> Envy is defeated, not <laughs> Roxy. So he was able to repurpose a lot of that stuff. Wow. Oh. Highly recommend you read it. Like you just, can, just um, to throw it out there, the library. Just, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it's well worth checking out. And, and to KP's point, the, the amount of growth that actually happens in those books, you're, you're kind of on the rocket train to seeing Scott evolve. I mean, in the book, Scott ends up like going out and getting a job and like takes responsibility for himself. And, you know, it's not just like this. It, probably it feels like did, all in two weeks. This probably would have been good as a maybe a Netflix series, actually, if you think about it. That probably would have been better to actually expand everybody's character arc, you know? Because I feel like Knives' big part of her movie, of the movie, was her just changing her hair up. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> that was her arc. End, well, then at the end, being like, you know, bye. Like, right. I'm not for you. My The best part was like, no, no, no. Go be with her. Like... I like that she made that dis- that she made that decision was like Scott go be with her like we're get the fuck out. In short in short in her knives way she said, you know, fuck you Scott move. Go bye. Let's see. I want to come back a year and a half from now and see what Knives's band sounds like cuz it's going to kick her ass. Like, Are band, they in a band amazing. together? <laughs> Question in the so KP or or Matt in the actual graphic novel does that he he plays the adam doesn't he is that the correct character i'm thinking of who are you the, thinking of her oh. her uh, ramona's ex-boyfriend that is brandon roth? brandon roth the guy so, that played yeah, superman um, also yeah yeah, oh, yeah, todd. Todd. yeah. Um, yeah his name is todd in the movie yeah yeah cool cool thanks vegan yeah. todd vegan, vegan todd. todd i'm thinking about <laughs> the character he plays with in the dc universe yeah, he's super- does vegan he actually todd punch the color out yeah punch yeah. the color out of he does um, her hair that whole yeah. sequence is oh, wow. way longer when i first saw <laughs> that i was like oh. <laughs> yeah because that was is... in- that was intense he's like i don't have a problem hitting girls and i was just like well you're a that's a fast that's a fast line to a bastard yeah todd is not a great guy in the comic he either. is worse so <laughs> yeah oh. Chicken parm's not vegan? And oh. some, sometimes I'll just he, yell out in the, that. In the comic, he knowingly eats gelato and chicken. and it, it, Like, he just keeps saying, I'm a rock star. I can do what I want. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah, a no, character he, flaw. Got it. Yeah. No, he's, he's just a dick. He's completely just, yeah. He's the worst. So, um, Matt. So, Matt, real yeah. quick. I'm looking over the cast list just to look. And Bill Hader was in here? Yeah, he's the narrator. <laughs> right. Okay, that's okay. I was trying to okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so the the continue countdown is Bill Hader. And he's so yes. good at it. Yep. He should be yeah. doing that in other video yeah. games. <laughs> and I want to that's say that he's so good. He is right? so good. He'll be in the next Yeah, he can Tekken definitely movie. be in the next Tekken. <laughs> but yeah, fight choreography, by the way, was oh, Jackie Chan's folks. Okay. Which makes <laughs> sense. Um so but yeah, this. You say did 
The clip make its way into anyone else's feed. Uh, the, speaking of the the stunt team and choreography of the the Texas switch that happens with the when I think Knives shows up at Scott's apartment and he kind of uh, oh. it's it's behind the scenes footage, so it shows how yes Michael yes. Sarah kind of steps off camera <laughs> and then the stunt man jumps through the window immediately <laughs> and it's yeah. it's yes. an incredible like little yes. like thirty second clip. It was um, real. That was real. That was awesome. Yeah, all practical, <laughs> all all happened in camera, and it's it's fantastic. And led to like a thread of Edgar Wright showing from other other Texas switches that happen in his movies. There's one from Baby Driver, uh, oh, Shaun nice. of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Is that what those are it's, called? Oh, yeah. That's what he calls it. Mm-hmm. So I I like that term. So I'm sticking with it. I don't know if that's official. I'm Call gonna it. say yes. Claim it. They, the Texas switch, from my understanding, because when I did a cinematography class for my i'm also a teacher that's also my main <laughs> job i guess so <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> well, I told you, <laughs> when he's not being bit, the coolest guy mold, we know molding the minds of our future you know ninth grade boys oh oh god, god. love you sir <laughs> yeah vertis high school shout out so oh hello so I did an elective class on cinematography and it was called the Texas switch. I think because some director was saying that it had to do with uh, cards, a card move, switching something out when you're playing (gasps) Texas Hold'em. So I guess that's where it comes from in a way. I don't know. Don't quote me. I think that was one director talking about the Texas switch. So I don't know if it was true, but I mean, it makes sense to me. You know, he said basically that was called cheating in Texas Hold'em. But those scenes that he did, I mean, those are, I mean, if you look it up on YouTube, you can see that, I forgot what the scene's called. I think they named the scene something, but legit, he comes out from behind the door, and when they showed it on the other angle, it literally is a guy jumping up high to that little tiny window, out the window, like, head first. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, if you search Edgar Wright and Texas Switch on Twitter, you can find the whole thread of from all his movies. It's impressive. stuff like that that's why the film also feels pretty dope is because you like we were talking about before richard was the like you can feel the practical effects Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure even though it's just this very like uh video game film it feels when when the video game elements are even happening or the very like unreal elements are happening they still feel like they're really happening and that you're it's not so you know not a lot of like computer you don't see the lines as much so yeah right i think my favorite part of the movie for sure is the fact that we kind of were taken we were kind of taken on a ride as soon as you saw ramona so like for example like his whole demeanor change where he's like kind of like there but not there right and so we kind of got a sample of that world he was in by these transitions like, for example, he's walking and talking with, with, with Knives after school on their date. And he's, it's, it's the same date they had the day before, but it's different now. you know. And the transitions with that, he's not really there, but he's there. So, for example, there, I, I think it transitions from the date to, the, to him playing with the band. And then, what's his name? Steven. Steven. Steven's like, yeah. Sky. You played like one note. Steven Stills. He's like, you played one note. And then like, he's like, what? And then the next transition is done really quick. Where are we going? I just said, we're going to this. Like, it's just like fast paced. And that's how you are. Like if, if you're like in love or in that state of sense, you're just like, 
not thinking about what's going on there. You're thinking about something else. And in his case, he's thinking about Ramona, you know? So it was pretty cool that during those scenes, we were like kind of like in his head in a way. And then you, you, then we talked about Matt earlier where he's in the bathroom and there's that where it legit just transitions to him now being inside of like a high school. In, in and, his high school, yeah. Right, which was pretty cool. And something that Edgar also did, and I noticed, is that he also, with the camera, he changed up the different points. Like he did an actual widescreen panoramic view during those yeah. dream sequences, which was pretty cool. That kind of like gave it like a little bit of a chef's kiss right on each scene, which was pretty cool. So th- this is where I get really geeked out because I've probably seen this movie way too many times. I, I don't want to admit it. Like <laughs> No such th- th- thing. This is my comfort food movie. Like, this is the one I put on when I'm like, yeah, I got to see a movie. So as he's walking through, you know, that same date, I don't know if you noticed, but the the genres of music at Sonic Boom have changed when he's trying to figure out how to break up with knives. So he's walking through and it's like gloom rock, sad coal, like everything. (laughs) And it's 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 out of the comic book, too, because that. This, this is oh, where I sweet. get really nerdy because I, I have this thing about Toronto too, right? So Sonic Boom was a real record store that uh-huh. looked just like that. Like that was the real record store that's in the comic book and in the movie. Like that was the spot and they shot it there. And yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. It's in Chinatown now. It's on Spadina. But yeah, but it's hilarious because it's identical from the book. And yeah, the genres change and everything. I don't know. Just one of those things that I, I'm like, oh, that's really great. Sorry, I get nerdy about Toronto. Stuff I didn't too. know that. Why are you crazy. Why are you yeah. apologizing on a podcast to deep dive into a film for nerding out yeah. about? Did I apologize yeah. on our Ocean's Eleven film? Yeah, this unapologetic is nerdiness. Is, yeah, no, you're so, you're all good, man. You know what's funny yeah. is you had that same this movie and also my other movie that I that's my favorite movie that I would really hope you guys talk talk about in a future episode. Drive by Ryan Gosling. Like oh, these yeah. this movie and that movie have so one. many different yep. I like yep. ugh, so many different types of you know different things that are like really like nerdy where you're just like, oh wow, they changed the lighting in this scene to set the mood for this. Like it's crazy. And and this movie right here actually did it in on a whole nother level, and that's why I love it. It's wild how detailed it gets. Also, shout out to Honest Ed's, which doesn't exist anymore, but is in the background of like half the scenes. Honest Ed's, has that, did anybody ever go to Honest Ed's when it was open? It does not sound familiar. I did spend a lot of time in Toronto, but I don't think. So Honest Ed's, if you get a chance, look it up. I think there's a documentary about it. It took up a whole city block, but it wasn't meant to. What ended up happening was the guy that started the store ended up just buying the buildings around. And instead of like you know, redoing stuff. So it actually made sense. All he did was just kind of enclose it and put footbridges across. And it was Mm. completely full of the most wild nonsense stuff. It was like a city block that was completely filled by a dollar tree or like a dollar general. Yes. Like you could go there, you could get a week's worth of groceries, an entire wardrobe, a bunch of knickknacks, pillar candles. You could get Broadway posters because he's also the guy. It's Ed Mervish. He wrote, he ran all the the Broadway theater stuff in Toronto. But yeah, it was the most bizarre store to ever walk into. You always felt like you were going to fall through the floor. But it was spectacular, and it took up. It's called. It, it was Mervish Mervish Village for the longest time, and it was that Honest Ed store took up most of it. Yeah. So if you get a chance, check out Honest Ed's because it was great. Now it's it gone still exists. Sadly, no. 
Oh yeah, you, you know. just said it doesn't exist anymore. I was like, I need to go yeah. to there. Yeah, his oh kids told him we're putting up condos. Did, did you just look it up, Richard? Yeah. You, I want to take a picture of that. <laughs> Yo, I, I every time I was there, I took a picture night and day because it just where blew was me it away. located? What was it? I want to say it's oh, Queen and Bloor. That's beautiful. Let me just like in Toronto. Was, yeah, yeah, like right in the in the city, and that whole. Yeah, it was. So how did inside Sorry. look? Similar. I, I feel like I feel like it I'm getting house guitars. Record archive. That's kind of what I'm picturing. Mixed, mixed yeah. with Viddlers, you know, like I a Viddlers house like guitar. Yeah. <laughs> this is like house. This is I. I was yeah, just gonna say. Ollie's. I, I was gonna say the picture I'm looking at right now looks like Ali's in house guitar had a baby. And... Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll throw it up on the. Also, like an antique oh, shop. Oh, anyone but the Viddlers? Because this gives me Viddlers vibes, It's like too. Goodwill, an antique shop. Yeah. Oh. oh! Listen, they probably have so many gems in there, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure, like, you probably go so, out there and, this like... this is my is question. <laughs> now that it doesn't exist, where did all this stuff go? I have no idea. I say it's like, more... So, it's more organized than I the, the picture I had in my head. So I give them credit. <laughs> but they're so all hand-painted signs in, the in there. This was across the street when they're eating at Pizza Pizza. This oh, is directly okay. across the street. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So this whole thing takes place in that neighborhood. So there's Sweet. there's Honest Ed's. Yeah, this will this will trip you out when I pull up the map here because you'll just see. Oh yeah, this is this is the neighborhood. Like. Ooh. So the so okay so the store's closed, but they have the lights on still. Is that what they do? Is this not? For now, I think until they knock it down. Right. Oh, yeah. man, they're going to knock it down. Yeah, they're going to knock it down and put condos up. Also, on a, I, this isn't a side note. This is on topic for the first time. I'm keeping us on topic. Wow. <laughs> All I can sing is Ramona. It's just like in my head on like repeat, and I haven't been able to get it out for the last 48 hours. Was just singing that song. And she's like, oh, is it? It's 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 not done yet. And he was like, yeah, no, it's not done. <laughs> And it was done. I felt so bad for that song. moment. She's like, yeah, I have this completed song. And she's like, oh, I love to hear it. And it was done. That was a song. And she's like, I'd love to hear it when it's done. Ooh, ouch. One of the reasons why I think I love this movie. So it's a, it's inspired by video games, but it's a comic. And the Edgar Wright is able to incorporate all of those feelings, right? So last thing we talked about was like Birds of Prey, inspired by a comic, is able to get those vibes. But here are two other movies that I think do that excellently. Like one, Into the Spider-Verse, right? You know those animators study, love comics. The feeling is there. There's no doubt about it. But here, here's my other one, and it's Chicago, right? I've seen that stage production, and that's probably one where I love the movie more than the stage production, because it's, here's what's happening, and here's what's happening in their minds, and it's able to build on the musical aspect of it, so I think that this movie does that well, because it incorporates comics, video games, and a musical as well, so. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, one of the things I love about this movie is, yeah, that it's the fact that it's on the verge of just being a flat-out musical. And I feel like between this and and Baby Driver, that's basically a musical in, like, everything but but name with the rhythmic editing. I feel it makes me want 
Edgar Wright to fi- tackle a, a full-on musical because I feel like he, he's almost there. Like he he throws as much as he can to every one of the, one of his movies. I feel like if somebody gives him the opportunity to just be like, here, here's a musical, go nuts. I feel like that will be amazing to watch. Cats. I- <laughs> so that's yeah. No, I was gonna say just you can't do better right than what we have door. already, Aaron. You can't. Well, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Um, oh, Jellicle, Jellicle, Jellicle. <laughs> so, but to throw back to the very first episode of Anomaly Presents, this is kind of Edgar Wright's love story, or love, love overture to Phantom of the Paradise. Like a lot of the stuff in this movie kind of mirrors how that worked. And that was kind of his framework to make this. I mean, there's the one shot where after he broke up that transition that you were talking about, Richard, like where it's knives, Scott, knives, Scott, knives, then she fades out and it's Ramona and everything changes. That's straight out of Phantom of the Paradise. So like, yeah, I would love to see that because I want to see Edgar Wright do his version of that. That would be amazing. Just a full on, you know, but I mean, I'll take this. I feel like it's got to happen eventually. Like clearly, clearly some part of him wants that really bad. So I feel like it's only a matter of time. Little Mermaid. Sure. No, that's already happening. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Yeah. No, I I feel like let's give him something brand new. Let him let him just, you know, yeah, hook oh him man. up with somebody else. How about a Wally yeah. musical? Come on. <laughs> this mm, this might be the move. Listen, I would be on board with that. I would 100 percent be on board with that. Because he was like, he's like, <laughs> when he was like, I need you to to stay somewhere else for tonight, a week, a year. <laughs> I was like, tell him how it is, Wallace. Let him know. How about I saw uh, Kieran, right? Kieran Culkin. I saw him yeah. in a, uh, a commercial. I think they have it with Paul Giamatti or whatever. And I'm like, that's Wallace. He's I'm calling succession. him Wallace now. He is so yeah, good he, at Forever. I was just going to say, Succession, he's phenomenal. You too, you're too good for him. Leave him. Not <laughs> he grabs <laughs> knives by the lapels. Right. <laughs> He, he was not. He, Wallace was not lying to knives. He was right. not lying. Yeah, him some, coming in drunk, some six sense shit, where he's just like, "Leave." <laughs> he's hot. Yeah, it's so good. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you how many times I tried to perfect that, like, slap the forearm toss thing? Because it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I always I wanted to do that. I don't get how people do like because don't do you have? I guess you have to throw at the same time because I kept yeah. You just bring it. it up and just stop your yeah. yeah. I, I thought it pops out of your hand, so I'm like smacking my hand, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't leverage the keys out of your hand. You still yeah, no, have to give it a, a pop. Um, yeah. Isn't that isn't that sign for like up yours too without no keys? Like <laughs> throw these keys up yours is what we're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent, because yeah, he hits him in the face with him too. I, that's full on what that meant. Yes, for sure. Guess um, who's drunk? My third favorite part of this film is when Wallace steals the sister's boyfriend. Oh yes, yeah. poor Stacy. Not literally. When she said "not again," I was like, apparently you got to stay ready, girl, because Wallace just be coming up snatching your men. You were not prepared. Seems like a hazard. Just Anna Kendrick in the movie for two seconds. Why? Because oh. she's there. It's amazing. The, the the cast is just, it blows my mind. The 11 years call. later, if you tried to get them all in the room, 
Could you imagine yeah. what that would cost? They yeah. did a KP. Remember yeah. I shared with you? They did a table. And Chris Evans even yeah. like didn't he shave his facial hair cool. like <laughs> Lucas Lee just for that? That was pretty. I like when the I like when actors do that. I think that's pretty cool. Directors get them all back together, do a table read, and it was legit. The whole it was like an hour and some change. It was the whole movie. It was pretty cool. Oh wow! Because I feel like it's the one of the best of those Zoom table reads that I saw. Like they did a good job with that. They, they got they got they got out of character a couple times too. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I good loved the entire top to bottom. Was it Chris? Is that who Captain America Chris Evans, was? Yep. Chris Evans. Yeah. Lucas Lee, but what was his character's name? Lucas Lee. Okay. Lucas Lee. I was like, Chris Lee. I was combining <laughs> the names. That entire section is hilarious. Like, he plays a dick, so inc- a confident asshole dick, so incredibly well. And, like, that's America's ass still. And, like, <laughs> that entire fight, like, fight scene and the choreography, and then him, like, goading him down to die at the bottom of the stairs. And then he's like, oh, shit, I can't get those coins. Was just like I fucking love that entire part. They even gave him permanent evil eyebrows, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that we know yeah, for sure, yes, how, he is the bad uh, guy. Edgar Wright told Chris Evans to basically study Steven Seagal. Yes, <laughs> yes I remember. That. It's so perfect. Mm-hmm. So he did give him Steven Seagal eyebrows too. Then, if you look at it, yeah, yeah, yeah it's full wow. on mid period Seagal, where it's that bad, like half whispered bad one liners. Oh my god, that makes the so first much click you hear is the phone hanging up. The next one will be my gun. Like what? <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, it was also an insane fight fight scene. Also, with all his his lookalikes, his stunt doubles. That that fight scene and like I said, the one at the end with Gideon's guys too were pretty sweet. I mean, it's just crazy and it, a lot of a lot of one shots too. If you look at it too, one takes. Really long yeah. fighting scenes where, like, if they mess up, I mean, they got to do it again for a while. Good stuff. Edgar Wright, that's his thing, man. He'll just yeah. cut together a, a thing that will go on forever. He'll take that shot as long as he possibly can and have as much going on as possible in it. I don't. Man's amazing. <laughs> I'm still um, obsessed about things flipping and like when he when like when things turn into coins and he just. Yeah. <laughs> I that that sound is just so beautiful it's so ASMR for me like and the dropping of the coins and then it's just and then it being very just video game that whole entire thing and how everyone just accepts that oh yeah someone just died and turned into fucking coins like this is the world that we live in he's sprinkling so the... many different things you know the Zelda theme in the background when he was like in love which is pretty sweet yep I mean it's did pretty I read, awesome did I read a thing where he had to reach out to was it Miyamoto to to get the music or he reached out to Nintendo in general. I know I don't remember who he talked to, but they weren't going to get the Zelda music until he talked to whoever at Nintendo and told them what they were doing. And that's when they finally got the rights for it. Well, <laughs> it was song. genius. It was genius. I don't think they had to do quite as much for Seinfeld, but I thought that was kind of great too. <laughs> I forgot about See, man, I totally so- forgot about that. These sound transitions, man. I'm telling you <laughs> that was with the transition also. And then they did the laugh. The laugh track in the background too. Oh god. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then Wallace shuts off the the laugh track when he shuts off the stove. I don't know if you noticed yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Click, and the whole thing stops. <laughs> it's great. So, Adam, I'm going to call you out specifically because you and I shared an experience around Scott Pilgrim in, oh, in yes. 2010. We happened to be at Comic Con the Scott Pilgrim year, and 
the entire city of San Diego was taken over by Scott Pilgrim. Stop like, it. Everything. There was a, you know, 300 foot by 300 foot banner on the side of a hotel. There was a food truck serving garlic bread. You see, there was like a whole like Scott Pilgrim experience somewhere, wasn't there? Like with T-shirts and stuff. Yeah, there was like a Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, like you could get screen printed T-shirts and the cast was there signing and you could play video games and the whole whole thing. And like you felt like it was going to be the biggest movie in the world. I feel like that's also a common Comic-Con thing. Like you can't tell from inside what's actually going to be big outside of that, you know, bubble. Exactly. And Adam and I, along with, you know, Matt and my wife, Kara, got to see Scott Pilgrim at Comic-Con and it was amazing. And, and that shot where, you know, the band starts and it pulls back, you could feel the whole theater go, oh, shit. Like everybody knew there was something coming. Yeah. Uh, and then I we feel all like, got home. <laughs> I feel like my favorite part of the experience was the, the lead up going to that screening because oh, they, they gave out tickets to the crowd at the panel and we originally initially yeah. didn't get tickets or it was sold or we said thought we couldn't get in because we didn't get like whatever passes they gave out yeah. and then at the last minute we heard there was still space so we like booked it through crowds of people down city blocks to get there we did find Whoa. edgar wright himself standing outside the theater waving people in like come see my movie which Stop. was just surreal yeah so we're we're on a, a corner outside of the balboa mall in in san diego and there's edgar wright all five foot four of them I heard standing on the corner yeah he's like hey do you want to come see my movie <laughs> they're like yes yes we do it oh, was good. just so sweet and pure yeah. just like it hey was... come on in yeah yeah <laughs> make sure you grab some popcorn and some water on your way in <gasps> um yeah so then then we went and saw the movie and it killed like it was you know that's why we're sitting here 10 years later but then the the movie ended and then metric played three or four songs afterward yeah it it was like it was yeah top tier comic con experiences a wild experience so we were like oh shit scott pilgrim is going to be the thing like (laughs) this is going to be you know this is going to be the the moment where you know edgar wright becomes the world's biggest director and like and then it came out on blu-ray on paper, though, like the, the amount of people in this movie, you're like, what? There's so many people in here. And it's like, oh, man. My, I, my, oh, man. I said, okay, it baffles me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's your mind. I was just going to say that I feel like that set it up for people to discover it later. And I feel like that's given the movie such legs. Like, I feel like. Like, like once it came out, like it came out and people didn't really see it, but then people started to discover it. People started talking about it. And I feel like that hasn't died down since. Like, I always feel like people are newly discovering it and bringing it up again. And so it's kind of always percolating in like the, the conversation online, at least. Maybe I'm making it up. Maybe that's my own personal feed and people obsessed with this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's film Twitter, but no, it's 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 appropriate. So I had to look and see what movies came out at that same time. Does anybody know what the two movies were? Ruled this summer. We are related. So Expendables and Eat Pray Love came out that summer, and so who was it? I just read Edgar Wright hates um Seth MacFarlane because he tweeted, you know, Scott Zero World Two, and here we are ten years later, and Edgar Wright's like, I'm not like mean but you know whatever movie he had come out with on netflix he was going to say something snarky about (laughs) 
so he hates uh, Seth MacFarlane. It, it was that it was that dumb Western six movie days, that six ways to die in the West I was gonna or say like you can't talk a whole lot with it. Was it a million ways oh, to yeah, die in the West or something like that? Oh my god! That was the movie that came out like right after Scott Pilgrim, and yeah, wow. Edgar was like, "Yeah, I'm more polite, but it did make me kind of happy to watch that just crash and burn." <laughs> I literally, while you said that, Matt was literally looking at what films came out in 2010 would even be better than that, like the the town, you pray love, dear John. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Harry Potter came out that year, too? Oh, my God. Inception, The Reef. Okay, Inception was pretty good. But it's like, you gotta look at, was was it that that Inception, I'm sure we'll circle back on one day. summer blockbuster is what you gotta look at, right? Leap year? Right. Oh, I just... I was was just Googling 2010 movies. I I wasn't looking for that, you know, what it was up against. That's too, you know... I wasn't that smart. I was just wanting to complain about movies in general. (laughs) People forget how excited everybody was about the Expendables. Right. And they made, I don't know. They they made like four of those things. Which I I have yet to see an Expendables movie. Right. I actually only saw one and that was it. (laughs) Yeah. The the first one, I think Steve Austin was in, right? That was the only one I cared about. I I actually don't even remember. But yeah, yeah, I think he was one of the, the henchmen. They well, just tried doing the most. Remember. Expendables yeah. is kind of like what Fast and Furious is doing now, where they're trying to do everything yeah. all at once. Who else can I fit in this movie? Who else would have thought there would have been 12 of those? But <laughs> people keep watching them, and they keep making sure. bank. So I cannot hate on them because right. they laugh it all the way to the bank. I, I think they actually beat out <laughs> Land Before Time, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think they got them beat now. There's at least 20 Land Before Times, right? <laughs> I don't know how they get, they've made so many of those that one of them the, the next one's just got to be the comet hit, right? Yeah, Land Before Time eleven teen like at this point like damn they had so many I was like I remember I was young and I was like there's Land Before Time nine and I was like what happened to I remember I, the last one I remember was three when I was young I was like and nine I don't remember there time. being a yeah there weren't like a lot of questions after three either were there like we needed six more like, when is that rock gonna hit like when. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's 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 it. The next one they make, it'll just bridge over to Ice Age. Yeah, for <laughs> real, man. Oh, there's my friend. Hey, maybe they're in the same universe. Maybe Land Before Time was their prequel to Ice Age. You never know. I, I like this idea. I think we, we could run further with this. Let's do the Ice Age the Land Before Time crossover series. There's got to be at least 14 movies in there. There's a lot of meat on those bones. So yeah, it, it's we're we're coming close to the end here what other anybody have any other thoughts they want to share or anything that really struck them about scott pilgrim anything that you'd want to see more of the greatest line that came out of this movie is also a very queer line what was it i was by curious and <laughs> she goes i'm by furious <laughs> you gotta drop the l word scott lesbian no the other l word lesbians this wasn't loves. Is Roxy so is my good. favorite ex. I and if you like her, uh, definitely recommend the comic. You get to spend a little bit more time with her, and I almost every character it seems like in the novel is queer to some extent, except for Scott. But that's not a oh, surprise yeah. with his attitude. <laughs> Whatever, bye. Mediocre white dude. That's fine. Yeah, Ro- Roxy is just she's too funny. She's 
Where did that come from? My head. What? <laughs> Her dumb, like, weird southern accent for no reason so at you, random. So like, you know she's American? She's just so scattered and perfect. And I like that she poofs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. But that was all. So. That was my th- final thought was the fact that you get to say by furious. Like, come on. So it's an excellent <laughs> motto. It is. <laughs> Anything else? Anybody else? Last call on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I feel like my only final thought is Edgar Wright musical. When? Yeah. <laughs> gimme, gimme. <laughs> maybe it's next. It sounds like he's trying his hand at it like a giallo now. So maybe we'll see if musical is next. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm in for it. All right. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end here. We're all out of quarters. No more continues. I feel so, like we're missing out on the, the video game sound effects in this podcast. Add them in post, Matt. Add I was going to say, they'll, they'll come in later. Add I've got post. like a full week to edit this, so I, I'm, I'm good. Like, we got this. Post. We'll do it live. Uh, anyway. We'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for, for listening to another episode of anomaly presents thank you very much to to richard for joining us R- richard anything here we'll, we'll be real cheesy about it do, do you want to uh plug anything do you want to give out your your twitter handle your instagram any of your socials um, yeah sure uh you can uh find me at instagram.com forward slash richard underscore b underscore cologne and also twitter i'm at richard I think it's Richard Cologne underscore. Yeah, I take a lot of photos of Rochester, New York. No, I'm just at, I'm at Richard B. Cologne. I take a lot of photos of Rochester. I'm an educator in the city of Rochester. I love movies. And again, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming. You're one of my favorite people to follow on. I'm going to say an excellent follow on social. Your recommended photography is great. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and now we'll get into the the filthy bit of commerce at the end of the show here. As I mentioned at the top, we're a podcast that talks about genre movies because we have a genre film festival. We have our third one coming up. It's our third year, November 4th through 7th, mm-hmm. 2021. Always around my birthday. I love it. Uh, we actually planned that specifically for, yeah. for your birthday and for <laughs> sure Megan. Uh, it's all for November, On November 15th, yep. it was the first year. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. So join us in, in whatever form or fashion we're hoping we've got our fingers crossed and, and we're all, you know, watching with anticipation to see where we're going to be. Hopefully we'll be in person if, you know, everything with the, the pandemic goes the way we think it will. If not, you know, we'll figure out another way to do it. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Or reach out to us on, on any of the, uh, the socials. We're at Anomaly Film Fest on all of them. Again, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. And uh, we'll see you next time. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.